0: now i do have an update though for you i was kind of coaxed into going to sam's club because they were having this black friday deal and i ended up getting myself an iphone 12 what if you are right if you want (laughs) to wait and talk about that later we can yes we need to talk about that command a
1: delete everything else in the document we're talking about that (laughs) okay Hello, College Tri listeners. We didn't have enough time in the episode to get to this topic because we talked about the social dilemma for such a long time, but we will get to it in the future. Now onto the show. Welcome to the College Tri podcast, a show about tech, music, and our experiences as college students. As always, on this podcast, we'll discuss things we're trying out, our hobbies and interests, and what's going on in our lives. As always, I'm joined today by my co-host, Joe. Hello there, Joe.
0: Hey there, how you
1: doing? So a few moments ago, you gave me the exciting news that you bought an iPhone 12 from Sam's Club. So I'm excited to talk about that. But before we can talk about that, we do need to talk about something else that has come out from Apple, which is the ARM Max, aka, as, well, they don't really want you to call them ARM Max, They want you to call them Apple Silicon because it's the official marketing name. But a new generation of Mac computers has come out that uses a brand, instead of the Intel chips, uses a brand new set of ARM chips. And they're officially out. It's called the Apple M1 chip. And this chip is going to give you better power, just raw processing power, while also not sucking up as much battery. So it's really your computer is going to be acting more like an iPad where it could just be on for eight hours. And it can just be when you think about it, you can use your iPad and iPhone all day, where if you're using Final Cut on your computer, you're lucky to get two or three hours out of it if it's on battery but yet you can do processing on your iPad all the time, and it's not hard. So it's, it's Apple's kind of wanting to unify these two platforms and give you the same power and battery you used to on iOS. So what do you think, Joe? Are you going to use your hard-earned money to buy one or probably not?
0: So let me first just say I am very impressed with like the numbers and the specs and everything coming from Apple. Um, the amount of battery life they say it has, the amount of processing power they say it has is just out of this world, truly. However... I don't think that I'll get on the bandwagon this time for a, a few reasons. One of which, I was really waiting for them to change the design. Um, I would love to see a new looking MacBook Pro. I'm in the market for MacBook Pro personally. I would love to see new design, maybe thinner bezels or, you know, a new screen type or I don't know, whatever they want to do. I'd love to see it a, a new version. And the people who are buying M1 MacBook Pros and Airs, are sort of like lab rats in that (laughs) they are the ones who are finding the bugs and finding the things that are wrong in, and those things are what Apple will fix in the next generation. So I would rather wait for things that I use frequently, like Premiere Pro and Photoshop and all those things to be fully optimized, fully, you know, no problem here. Let's just do it on the, on the Mac. Not that they aren't now, but they aren't, what they could be on the Mac yet, just because they haven't had any time to to figure out how to work on it. So that's why I... Now, if my computer poops out on me before <laughs> the new one comes out, you'll be seeing me with a MacBook Pro. But if not, that I'll wait till the next generation of M1 chips, which would be the M2 chip.
1: Yep. So my understanding is that these apps, like the really popular ones like Photoshop and like the other Adobe suite of projects. So obviously Final Cut and Logic Pro and all the Apple apps are designed to work with the M1 chip just right out of the box. But, of course, it's going to take time for Adobe to actually set up all their software in a way that fully takes advantage of this new power. So, my understanding is that right now it's running in kind of more of a compatibility mode. Basically, the M1 chip is going to emulate being an Intel chip. And even that is still faster than a real Intel chip, which it proves how fast the M1 is. It it can actually emulate the chip faster than the chip can actually be itself, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So i agree with what you're saying joe it it would make me really nervous to buy one which i'm going to give a few reasons why i don't i'm not going to buy one. there are plenty of reasons why i'm not going to buy one but it would make me nervous to be apple's beta tester because this is just something that's so new it's like when you think about it okay we've had big big changes in the past going to the iphone 6 was a big change there were some issues with that as far as like bending and you know the people not happy with the camera people not happy with the battery life that people were nervous to go to the iPhone 10 because, you know, will they, will they like Face ID? Will they Will they wish that they had Touch ID back, all of this? My grandpa was telling me a story about, he actually had an old Mac that had two megabytes of RAM. It was one of Apple's first Macs and it came with two megabytes of RAM. Obviously Zoom right now is using like 22 megabytes of RAM. Oh so that is like the completely, we live in a completely different world. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, that would not fly. So he actually was saying that the operating system almost by itself was taking up two megabytes of RAM. So Apple later released a computer that had four megabytes of RAM. So he had two for the operating system and two to do your work on. But he was left out in the cold because he had a two megabyte. So he had to install an old version of macOS so that it would only do so that he could use less. Anyway, it was a whole mess, and that's like why you don't want to be Apple's beta tester. You want to pay a ton of money to Apple, and you want, like Jack said the other the other night, just we want this stuff to work, and you just want to not have to think about
0: it. Exactly. So
1: I think that it would be fine in practice most likely, but it would make me nervous to spend a good bit of money on something that has only been out for less than a month at this point.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's just, it's not that I don't trust it and it's not that it doesn't do good work, I'm sure, but it's that I want it to be the best that it can be for me. And so I'd rather them have the experience and know what's wrong, know what's right by the time I get one so that it works well for me. And maybe that's selfish, I don't know. But I just don't want to be a part of this first group of people that are testing them out.
1: So to go more into the reasons why I'm not going to buy one is because I already spent a lot of money on a good Intel computer. It is the Butterfly Keyboard Edition, which is the main main issue. Because my dad recently bought a MacBook Pro. That was 2020 used and it has the non butterfly keyboard it has just the good working actually halfway functional scissor switch keyboard that is nice to type on and doesn't get specks of dust and <laughs> doesn't break all the time mine is not broken however that's because i'm always using it in clamshell mode so if i used it all the time the the question of reliability would come more into play but thankfully i've dodged that bullet so that's one reason why i'm not going to buy it, is because i have a very nice computer and i'm not going to spend any more money the other reason is that i'm always using between two and three of the thunderbolt 3 ports and the M1 Max only come with two ports. Both the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air only have two ports. I'm always using the right two for something, and I'm occasionally using the left two for something. That would basically mean that since the the right two are always taken up, I would never have the ability to plug anything extra in, which would just be incredibly annoying. So I'm sure that there will be some models that come out with four or perhaps even more ports in the future, but... The current setup of only two is just not going to work for my workflow.
0: I had no idea that they only came with two on the new ones. That's that's kind of crazy in today's world. I mean, it, de- it obviously depends on your workflow. I mean, if you're not, if you don't need two Thunderbolt, what, USB-C ports, then, I mean, it's not a big deal. But for somebody who's doing the whatever you're doing, that would really, really suck.
1: The main complaint that people have with the amount of ports is that because you're charging in one of the ports, it's like you have the amount of ports you have minus one. So let's say you have four ports. If you're always charging with one and you always have like a hard drive, USB-C hard drive in the other one, well, basically now you only have two ports. You've taken this computer with four ports and gone down to two, Mm -hmm. which I think is why people miss like the olden school days of MagSafe where there was just a dedicated place to charge and then you could just use the ports all you wanted to. But it didn't take any, it didn't take away from the charging.
0: Yeah. I. One thing I will miss when I move up to a, like a MacBook, like, let me just hang on. I'll look at my computer. There is a VCA port, three USB-A ports. Mm-hmm. I will miss having all of those ports because with, you know, USB-C, if it's not like even my microphone that I'm using right now plugs in using USB-A. And so if I was going to use this on a MacBook, I would have to get a converter or a dongle or whatever. Right which is just more to deal with, which is kind of unfortunate, but it's all on the way to all USB-C, so I'm fine with it, I guess.
1: How I'm doing things now is, one, I have two USB-C ports on the right side. One of them is controlling the monitor, and I think it also goes to an external hard drive and the microphone right now. And then the other one goes to the second monitor, and that goes to some other USB-A devices. So the the best way to not buy a really expensive dock and have two monitors with a laptop is just usually literally to use two cables, one to go to the first monitor, one to go to the second monitor, and the software just figures it out. But that becomes an issue. If you only had two to begin with, now you're in trouble because even using lots of adapters you're just running out of stuff and unfortunately even though apple you know thinks that we're in a land where everything's wireless and everything uses usbc out of the box really doesn't we're kind of still in USB-A land where once you buy something it is USB-A, and you just have to buy an adapter or something else and that just introduces more areas where things can go wrong. It's like if you plug it directly into the computer, it's gonna, probably going to work. But once you introduce an adapter, there's just one more thing to get too hot, one more thing to fail, and you're just in trouble if you forget it. And it just it just gets complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you basically use the laptop then as just your
1: I use it as a cheap desktop because okay. if I were to get a desktop, you know, the iMac, it's like $5,000, $6,000. It gets ridiculous. I'm using it as, as a glorified desktop. And, of course, I thought I was going to be taking it all over the place around campus, but, you know, we all saw, we all saw how <laughs> that worked out. So, in theory, it's the keyboard and screen are lasting longer than they would otherwise. It, it worked out in the end.
0: So speaking of all this tech, a lot of it's been around for a long time, but not even just computers, you know, there are old cameras, old, you know, typewriters, record players, things that we listen to music on. And I've kind of been wondering semi-recently, why are these things popular again? Just personally, I have a typewriter from 1952, maybe, and a typewriter from 1989. Um, I have five Polaroid cameras. Uh, four of which are from before 2000, and I have a record player that is new, but I have lots of old records that I play. So, I mean, do you have any insight into this? Why why do people like old things? What's your opinion on this?
1: Yes, I definitely do have insight on, on this. People are longing back to a simpler time. When you think about it, they want to go back, especially to the 1980s, and 70s and even like i believe the queen's gambit was set in the 1950s i want to say cold war era it might be completely wrong but i believe it was the 50s and 60s (laughs) Frantically googling to find out for sure (laughs) but but the point is people enjoy the olden days and whether or not the olden days were any better is kind of besides the point because people remember the fun times they had they kind of forget all the the wars and the and the slavery and the issues many many issues that we faced in the past they just remember the idealized good times of oh you go to the five and dime and buy your ice cream and then go on the street and then listen to this cool new rock album that came out and in general, I think we'll look back to our childhoods as well. And we'll think, you know, 2000 through 2020. We'll think, oh, it was, you know, there were rough spots here and there, sure. But it was a really good time. And in 2040, we'll have movies set in 2001. And we'll be so happy to look back to this time, et I, I I think that's what will happen. So people really want to go back to a land where things were seemingly simpler. Obviously, people like to point to the internet and say, the internet ruined everything. And of course, people didn't have to worry about social media or the internet in the, in that time period. That only came to be really popular in the 2000s. So in general, life was seen to be, and most likely is, a lot was a lot simpler back then. And there was just less to worry about, less to keep track of. Of course, once the internet genie is out of the bottle, you can't put it back in, unfortunately. But you can kind of try to make things simpler for yourself. So instead of having, here's Spotify with literally millions of songs that you can choose from, there's literally a site that can show you spotify songs that no one has ever played before that's how many songs there are on spotify wow you can find songs that has never literally the artist upload them and no one's ever played them that's how many songs are waiting for you to and most of them are probably pretty good so there's just this overwhelming choice so with things like records and polaroids like we've discussed a bit with the polaroids before that takes the element of choice down instead of being completely overwhelmed you can just take a deep breath and enjoy the thing for what it's truly meant to be
0: yeah no i i'm with you and i think that that's You know, I've thought before, like, man, if I could go back in time and like see how it was back then. I think a lot of it for me personally is a longing to feel connected to the older people in my life. Like, for example, with the typewriter from 1952, I'm like, oh, wow, like this was made when my grandma was like eight years old. Right. Like and I'm like, (laughs) yeah, she probably saw a lot of these in her you know, time. She probably learned on one like this. Um, you know, and with my, with my Polaroids from the eighties, it's like, oh man, my dad probably had his picture taken by a few of these. And, and it helps me to feel connected to the people that I love that were around when the technology was being used personally. That's what I think, Mm -hmm. but I'm using it in my own way. Right. So like I'll write letters on my typewriter and I'll, I'll obviously take pictures, my Polaroid of, of things that are happening. You know, I like to buy records that are, you know, mean a lot to me. Do I play them all the time? Of course not. I mean, the convenience <laughs> no. speaks for itself. Yeah, it's like Spotify's right there. You know, it doesn't happen all the time.
1: When you find yourself in the situation where you're listening to a record you have, but you're listening to that album on Spotify and, you know, your record play is right there, but you just can't be bothered.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and, and so for me, it is that nostalgia, like of like longing for the past, even though the past may have not been exactly what we believe it to be. But it's also this connection point to those... That I like, I said, those that I love who are older and would have used those pieces of technology or you know been associated with them in some way, obviously. So yeah, it's just a it's just a cool a cool uh, way to connect, in my opinion.
1: You've got me thinking back to the period of, in my life where I did get the record player, which would have been a couple of years ago now, and I just wanted something cheap that I could literally sit down the record has an automatic arm, so you just press start and the arm lifts into place and then it lifts out of place when you're done. I just want something basic so I could get to playing records. And there really is something. I like to think of myself as a fairly digital person and someone who can use the technology in his life to make his life better. But there's something undeniably fun about this ceremony of a record player, even if it does, I'll admit the novelty does wear off after a couple of months. And, you know, you think you'll play it every day and you don't necessarily do. But there's a ceremony of taking the record out, you know, putting up the the cover, looking at this big, beautiful cover, reading it, reading sort of who the artist was, who made the art, all these sorts of things. There's information on the cover. Then you're taking that and you're dusting off the record itself. You're putting it and you're watching the arm swing. Then you hear this slightly degraded version of the audio. And as well, my turntable, because it was cheap, over time, it actually started to spin a bit faster. So all the music sounded like just barely too too fast and too high. So I actually had to get a screwdriver and fix the tightness of the bands underneath and get that to back. And basically I was like, turning it to the left and listening to the music go lower and then turning it to the right and listening it to go higher and trying to like tune it to what i knew the song was supposed to sound like and then i have it i have it working so it's like why would you sign up for (laughs) this thing that that breaks itself and it it just is undeniably fun because even though you can get the same uh, extensively a better high quality pristine digital version of that song on spotify or youtube no problem but it won't be as fun to know it's being generated right there by the analog grooves and you're watching it spin around and as long as that thing continues to spin, and the music will continue to play. And it forces you to be more intentional about listening to the music. Yes, you can have it on the background, but you have to spend a lot of money to choose the uh, just the albums you like, so it means you automatically will like the album a lot. It's not that you sit down and listen to it, but you're definitely more aware of the presence of that music. And you can't just go skipping around either, it's like, what albums do I like, I, I'm happy to listen to side A, side B, all the way through, no skipping around. Like You can try to skip around, but it's not really going to work. There's no repeat one. It's just, here's songs that I like and I'm willing to listen to. So your music collection, by extension, is going to be things that you like, or at least are willing to try out and you think you'll like. So even though Spotify, the algorithms of Spotify that we'll discuss soon, they can generate hundreds of playlists that are designed for you to like them, it won't be the same as if you chose it, went to a record store, chose it yourself. I haven't done this, but I'm certain sur- certainly there's an element of like, you know, talking to the person behind the counter. Here's what just came in. Here's what, you know, here's this artist, what are artists like them? There's more of this simplified element to where you can actually find things as opposed to you're just buried in a sea of some good stuff, some bad stuff, and you don't know where to start.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, that's sort of like, to me, it's similar to how there's this longing to go back to like live recording or like yeah, definitely for, for music when 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 artists like sometimes i'll hear like a piano in a song that is obviously not tuned but it gives you that feeling of like oh this is like a real piano that's like old and has been sitting where it's been sitting for a long long time and for some reason we just like that we like to hear the scratch on the record player we like to hear how the the you know maybe the strumming on the guitar is a little bit out of out of uh, rhythm with the other instruments. It's There's something authentic and real about it that I think a lot, a lot of people enjoy.
1: What's your experience of using your record player, Joe?
0: Well, my brother got a record player. Jack actually got a record player um, when he was like maybe a sophomore or junior in in college. Um, And then that kind of got me started. And I didn't buy one myself. Um, For my 18th birthday, my friends all pitched in and, and got me one. Very nice of them to do that. So that's the one I've had for a long time. I've not actually bought a ton of records. I I can maybe think of two, maybe just literally because our fam like my dad just saved records from when he was younger. And so did my grandpa. And, uh, you know, I get them, uh, some people give them to me as birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, whatever. Uh, so a lot of them I did not purchase myself. It's the same feeling, though, because it's it's still music that I like and that I want to listen to. My experience has been good with it. Like I said, I don't use it every day, maybe a couple of times a month. That's even kind of high. I mean, it, it's like yeah. you have to make the intentional choice that, you know what, I could listen to this on my on my phone, but I want to sit back. I want to relax. I want to slow down and listen to it like it was back in the day.
1: One of my favorite artists ever is called Tycho. I actually learned about him because his album called Awake was played at our church for many, many years. It's just like the walking in intro music to when you, when you come into the service. Part of his trade is not only does he make really, really great sounding music, he makes graphic design and art. And so that means that the covers, uh, they're re- of course, they're going to be relatively recent vinyls, like in the past 10 years, these were printed. But that means the covers are going to look amazing. There's just these beautiful, minimalistic art with these great colors and these great designs and just using simple shapes and simple colors, but in a very interesting way, which that's sort of his the texture of his music as well. It's very organic and very taking simple sounds like human breathing, basic acoustic and electric guitar sounds and basic like distorted drum sounds. It's just he has a very interesting way of going about doing that. And so that means that I can put them on these three little shelves in my room and that makes a cool background for when I'm in class. It's it's fun because there's more character to it. Like I can either have my phone and who knows what I'm listening to and there's just no character whatsoever. Or you can have it's very it's very clear what you're listening to. It's very clear what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, it's a good background <laughs> to look at, even if, I, even if I never use it. Although I do look forward to one day when I have a house or apartment of my own, it'll just be like, it won't necessarily be the centerpiece, but there'll be a table off to the side where when I have <laughs> people over and such, it's like, let's put in the Tycho record and have that pumping in the background.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. One thing I love, that's like the biggest thing I love about vinyls is be, the, the cover art, because you could either buy the album because it you like the music, or you could buy it because... The album art looks awesome. Yeah,
1: exactly. A picture certainly tells a thousand words. That's right. So one dilemma we have when listening to music is whether or not we want to buy the digital or the vinyl version. And another dilemma we have is how much we should rely on social media for our entertainment and information purposes and one way we can clearly learn more about this is through a Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma. It's not called The Social Network. That's a completely different thing, although they're both somewhat realistic stories that, that teach you about technology. But The Social Network is about starting a Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and his journey to do that. Social Dilemma is just more of a it's actually extremely interesting because although it is a documentary in the traditional sense and, you know, of course there are interviews and narrator and everything, there's also an element of acting and like showing an antidote from this fictional family's life of how technology is affecting them. And some of it seemed like extremely very, very strange, but we'll get more into that. So let's first give our, our overall thoughts and impressions about the message of this movie. I think of this movie as a good personal reminder for how prevalent the algorithm is in our life, and you know we talk about the algorithm so much, and like, oh, the algorithm is our enemy. Let's all, <laughs> let's all freak out because AI is taking over the world. That is certainly a component of it. I think what we need to be more worried about is just recognizing that the again, that sounds so tinfoil hat to say it, but it's important to us to think about how the social media companies in life, their goal is what what's any business's goal. Their goal is just to make money and. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to keep people on our platform and keep them looking at ads. And how do we make sure they'll come back to look at the ads? We'll just make them semi-addicted to checking their phones, checking these platforms. And we'll just keep them scrolling as much as we can. So that way you can see lots of ads and that way we can, everyone makes money and everyone's happy. So most of this information I felt like I already knew, but I did find it to be, because I watched Joe's recommendation, I did find it to be a good reminder and a good summary of a lot of the information I had heard before about this kind of horrifying truth. It gets more stressful the more and more you watch.
0: Yeah. I mean, when I watched it um, afterward, I was so, for like the next week, I was so conscious of how long I was on my Mm -hmm. phone, um, how long I was on like Instagram specifically or Snapchat or whatever. And I mean, it's scary because I've always thought it was weird that things like Google and Instagram and Facebook are all free. You can freely join you can look at it as much as you want. I mean, it's it's all free, and I've always wondered why. But truly, it's not free because you're paying with your attention. Um, you're paying with your eyes, and they know that. And it, it's not it's not an odd thing to say to say that they take advantage, they exploit our human psychology to work against us in their favor, so that we end up spending more time um, you know, looking at ads and, and whatnot, that's the point, but, but that we spend more time on their app and make them more money. Um, and that is a scary, scary, scary truth that freaks me out, uh, so much <laughs> that I don't like, I deleted Instagram off my phone and like, it's just, it's scary to me. And, um, you know, I don't want to be addicted to my phone. it, it it's, it's, it's depressing and it's not fun to think about, you know,
1: did you delete Instagram fairly recently or a while ago or,
0: well, yeah, I, I delete it semi frequently, but you know, it's been off and on. Cause I, <laughs> I try to like give myself a day every week and just like check up on things and then get rid of it again.
1: That's actually exactly what I do. I install the app, check everything once or, once or twice a week, just see what's going on with people. The answer is not much is going on with people. Sorry, everyone else that <laughs> exists in the world. And then I delete it again. And the reason it's like people think I'm crazy for doing this, there's definitely this pull and I'm so cognizant of this pull and I get freaked out when I feel this pull. It's like I wouldn't think inherently looking at the pictures other people posted of their life would be addicting, but somehow it just is. I don't know quite what's going on with that. It, it might just be the completionist in me where it's like, oh, there's stuff, I know that in the back of my mind there's stuff piling up, so I might as well, you know, check the story, the, the color goes away, you know, you've looked at all the stories, you just not like this glaring red badge in the back of your mind. I don't really know what's causing it, but I do know there's a pull to go check it. And, you know, the more you check... Obviously, 30 seconds here, 30 seconds here, whatever. But, and then you look back on the weekend, it's within three or four hours and you didn't think it was that much. But you know, we can talk more about ch- the horrifying truth of checking your screen time data in just a minute. But I do delete it. So it's just, okay, this is not an option. You would have to spend two to three minutes re-downloading and re-logging in, which is enough of a pain in the butt so that you won't do it again. And that is a good, I think for both of us, that's a good strategy. So, to, so you can kind of have the best of both worlds. You can not be completely in the dark, but also you can be halfway present at dinner time, unlike the kids in the ducky
0: exactly and like that stuff was scary like that specifically how it showed that this effect on on this family was i was i was i was sitting there like man i've got i gotta take notes for when i'm like a dad and and like all this (laughs) stuff um which is maybe irrational but you know it's 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 real and it's i think at one point in the documentary it says like the the drug industry and the like social media industry are the only two to refer to their uh you know customers as users
1: yes yeah, so that's a really good point really good point
0: point. and it's it's so apparent and you even said it color design you know notifications the way that they present information to you like the the way that it was a couple of years ago is that you would just get whatever post was most recent would show up but now it'll figure out what you'd like to see and what you spend the most time on and give you that first to get you to stay on longer and it's it's scary. It's it's they're they're messing with what is real in favor of you being on their platform for longer.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely an aspect of annoying people like me who are get really annoyed and there's tons of badges and just red clutter cluttering things up because everything it feels like every action that Instagram sends is somehow designed to appear annoying. Basically, if I log in after a while, it's like it feels like everywhere there's red dots for you to click on. It's like this leads you here, this leads you here. Five people have requested to follow. These two people have liked. This person has five new stories. We recommend this person. It's just red everywhere, and then you're clicking around tr- frantically trying to get rid of. It. It's just this, just such a, such a strange, strange, strange design because like you know all these weird notifications about every little tiny thing that could possibly happen. Like here's this friend we think you might like, and here's this comment. And This person liked your comment. This person looked at your comment, and just, every possible thing is is carefully tracked in just is is piling up so when i do go in to check these things i am not like intentionally wanting to scroll past 30 stories that have to do with donald trump and joe biden but yet i do anyway because i want to just clear everything out and like i was talking to a friend that does the same thing it's just so tempting to go in clear everything out make sure you're it's not even that you're afraid of missing anything it's just here's all the stuff that piles out bam 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 i saw it all okay <laughs> and then you just are repeating the cycle over and over And that kind of leads to, have you ever gone in and checked your screen time data and just been horrified at the results? Because I certainly have.
0: I I don't know. I don't check it weekly, but every once in a while I'll get on there and look and it'll be like, oh, you spent like five hours on average a day on YouTube. And I'll be like, are you kidding me? What did I do the rest of that day? (laughs) So yeah, there is an element to that. I usually don't end up spending too much time on Instagram just because a few years ago I went through and like butchered my following list. And so I don't. I don't follow anybody. I don't really need to.
1: Yeah, I go through and my rule is if I would talk to you in real life, I will follow you and you can follow me. But if it's someone I would not talk to in real life or I would run, run away, run away quickly and and go out the back exit, then I will not allow that person to follow me.
0: That's a really good like standard to have. Wow.
1: Not because I'm trying to be a jerk, but since we wouldn't talk to neither of us would talk to each other to begin with, why would I be, you know, letting you interact with me digitally? So it's just I think that's where a lot of like the awkwardness can come in is when you have these people that you sort of don't like that are also watching you from afar, I think that can that can just a lot of, yeah. it make things more complicated than they need to
0: be. 100%. I get that.
1: Because I was looking at my screen time data, and it was like five or six hours on YouTube for this week. Obviously, yes, it is break, and, and maybe that's an hour or a little bit less a day. But it was like I didn't think that five or six or five hours of my time was going to watching YouTube. I thought that I just I had that time in general. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I don't think we as people in college can really say that we don't have enough time in general. Because I think that's probably on like the low end of the national average of people who have, have the YouTube YouTube mm-hmm. app installed, which is like terrifying. Because that gets into the fact that, Go- yes, Google is a search company, but they're actually an ad company. It just so happens that people like to search things, and they like to watch YouTube videos, and they like to send emails. So it's just like Google's finding all these things that people like to do, and then attaching ads to those. It's like mm-hmm. Google's an ad company, and they're just good at finding things that people like. So that way, they're guaranteed to sell ad slots that people will definitely see.
0: Yeah, and I don't know... What you think about this but and it obviously depends on every person, but I, I don't know why we're surprised when we're not fulfilled by social media it, it's like it's like okay you hold up your day and you say okay I could I could do some homework, I could work out, I could go to my job, I could go read or study or whatever and or just relax and sleep you know or watch a movie even something like that or I could spend the next 2 to 3 hours on various you know Twitter TikTok Instagram Snapchat whatever
1: <laughs> the deadly loop
0: yeah right and, and and then and then when people do that and they lay in bed all day and watching TikToks right then they're surprised that they feel the way they do and it's like <laughs> to me I just want to say why don't you just like and of course I sound like a boomer right but like <laughs> it, it's it's just like like why don't you go like physically you know maintain your your health or go learn something new or go read a book that you've been wanting to read or i don't know even like play a video game or something feel accomplished about yourself in some way but but truly those those companies those apps want you to stay on their app, and, and they're exploiting your psychology to get you to do that. And, and it's really sad to me.
1: Yes, I could talk about this for I'm not even kidding. I think I could talk about this for five hours. But since we don't have a five hour podcast, I'll give you <laughs> the short version. So I've thought spent a lot of time thinking exactly what you've been thinking about, Joe, which is that people often Like when you look at these scary statistics about how, oh, you know, depression and anxiety is—it's at a worldwide average—and you know, all the boomers are blaming the internet, which perhaps is right. But just thinking about this, like from an abstract perspective, I thought for many, many times about I should write a book, and I think I should call it Pillars. No one steal this idea, but it would basically (laughs) be a book all about—it's—it's nothing new, but. I would put my own spin on it basically what are the pillars of like a happy life where you are in control of your life and you feel good to wake up in the morning and go about your life and you're not like dead inside like so many people are these days like college Mm -hmm. students adults lots of people are dead inside this is just the society run, and that goes back like i don't think people were as dead inside to the 1980s yes there was i'm sure the person in the basement who did lots of cocaine and was dead inside but like the national average is a lot higher than it was right now so i think if I, I have made a list. I went as, I made an outline for what this book would be like, and the only thing I need to do is write it. Basically, the outline is talking about, like, okay, chapter one. Here's what you need to do. Chapter one is the most important. You know, later chapters aren't as so important, but just going to go down the list. Here's what you need to get in control of right now. You need to get in control of your sleep. You need to get in control of your diet. You need to get in control of your exercise. And you need to get in control of your social media use, like we're talking about. And there's, like, I had this list of an outline of book, basically talking about, like, here's a handful of things that sound so obvious that it's like, why are you even talking about this? Yet no one does them. Literally, Put, go mm-hmm. to up to a random person in the street. How's your sleep? Oh, I got two hours of sleep. How's your diet? Oh, I only eat cheetos. How's your <laughs> How's your social media? Oh, I spend twelve hours a day on. So it's like the average. Thinking about this in terms of averages, the average is not going in a good, good or positive direction. It's so easy to to fall into. I, I don't want to go as far as call them self destructive, but it's so easy for us to go into a life where we get not enough sleep. We're eating Cheetos all day. We're looking at social media because it's, you know, what else is there to do? We're bored. We're not, we're not talking to people, you know, terrifying statistics about, you know, Gen Z is all alone and will never date anyone and doesn't know how to have conversations <laughs> just on Fortnite. And it's like, it's it's so hard to talk about this without sounding preachy or like a 99-year-old grandma. But the overall message is like, this is an overall damage to society. This is not creating good. This is creating bad. This is just creating the short-term feeling that you're connected with many more people than you actually are which is Mm -hmm. why the kind of thinking about it, like let me only follow and be followed by obviously, yes, I'm going to follow a few large people that aren't going to follow me back, et cetera. But for the most part, this is, this reflects what my life is actually like. I'm interacting with the people I actually interact with and they're interacting with me back. And I think that even that does have some negative side effects, which we can get into, but yeah, I'm talking for too long. Go ahead, Joe.
0: No, no, no. Yeah. I, I didn't like, I think you're so right. I think social media is just, sort of the newest addition to you know a slippery slope into an unhealthy lifestyle um, and I think you're right I mean sleep is huge exercise is huge your diet is huge but you know on top of that truly social media is just the newest way to be unhealthy mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that your rule for for social media and only letting people follow you that you know and would talk to is a great way to look at it because I think you see those people with like five thousand followers, right? There's no way that they talk to all of those people. No. No way. And so then you're you're looking at these people you barely know and you're saying you're you're seeing only the best parts of them because that's what they put forward. Because mm-hmm. you're not gonna put your worst self up for everybody to see. So then you're comparing yourself to unrealistic unrealistic expectations of strangers and and then you know you feel not as good as you normally would. And it's really, really sad to see it happening. And I think that, you know, we need to sort of regain control mm-hmm. because you can't you can't be successful in society right now if you're not connected. You know what I mean? It's just not gonna happen. You you've gotta have LinkedIn, you gotta have Facebook, you gotta have whatever to be known. But also we've gotta get back in control. We gotta get back in the driver's seat of this thing and and be able to say You know what? I don't need this. This is an addition to my life, not my life. Mm
1: -hmm. What you said, Joe, about putting the best foot forward. So this is something that's definitely been on my mind recently. Basically, as as Instagram has slowly gotten its, its cold hand back on me, obviously, you know, you're bored, whatever. Even if you know that people put their best foot forward and that everything is heavily filtered... You still feel sad about it. It's like, yes, I intellectually know 100%, like this is this person had the let's say just you know hypothetically this person had you know 30 terrible days in a row, but then they had one happy day, and this is the day they have pictures from, et etc. Even if you 110,000% know that, and we'll will preach about that in front of a court, <laughs> it still makes you feel sad to see that this person is, is having a good time. If you're in bed and sad and not having a good time, and just you know you're just bored, whatever, who cares? It's one of those things where it's like, yes, you can do all the research you want but it can still damage you. It's like, "Oh, I know drugs are bad, so I'll I'll take them anyway. Don't worry, I know they're bad. Don't, it doesn't matter." It's it's something that I've been thinking about because it's like, "Oh, I think I'm immune from from these saddening effects of social media." No, I'm 100% not not immune from them. They can be very real and affect me even though even though I know what they are and I'll tell you what they are, but they still work just fine. Mhm.
0: And The Social Dilemma like explores that and it I think the daughter of the family that it in the, you know, acting section of the of the documentary the the daughter is faced with these unrealistic expectations based on people that she follows or things that people say about her and that has a real effect i mean at that point you're jumping from okay this this thing is not essential to my life right to this code that is coded by real people is now making me question my identity uh my self-worth my value as a person like those are dangerous things to be able to affect and social media is doing it it has been doing it for many many years which is just another reason why we need to get back in control of how we use social media and how we let it affect our lives
1: instagram is so good at, at knowing what, what like you're interested in so it recently figured out i was interested in drums i don't know how to figured that out because i was intentionally not looking at anything to do with drums i didn't figure it out so i was recommending stuff to do with drums and that was like kind of a, a bit of a downhill slope for me because when you get to the point where, okay, you're watching some of the most world-class drummers and then, you know, you go over here, you're watching like the world-class piano players and then you see, okay, you know, here's this person that's really in shape. Here's this person with this cool skill. Here's this person in this relationship and this relationship, so on. It's like, wait a second, come on, man. You, so So you're telling me, and, and then you you have and then you're like, all right. So I'm an okay drummer. I'm an okay piano player. Mm-hmm. I'm okay and in this. I'm able to run this far. I'm able to lift this much. I'm able to to do this much. And I know these people. But it's like th- the expectations you're getting are not something that you're actually able to reasonably accomplish is well it's like you're you're creating a superhuman in your mind where you're let's take this person who's great at this this person who's great at this and then combine them all and then compare yourself to this like super person who's just a combination of like a hundred other people and then and then just feel bad about yourself. Which is something that I know how it works and I know how the psychology behind this this effect works and it still makes me feel bad anyway because I'm just a chimpanzee human. That's how this works.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 that's Again, I obviously can't quote this exactly and, you know, fact check me if you want, but I think I saw a statistic somewhere that said that suicide rates have been up since 2013 or 2012, maybe, and that was when, you know, Instagram started to take a rise and I, we're, we're bashing Instagram, but this is really applicable to, to most social media platforms. Um, and so again, it, it, it takes this massive leap from okay, uh, maybe a team of people put this together and it's meant to be used for this. And now right. it is literally causing people to compare themselves to strangers so much so that they look at themselves so terribly that they want to end their own life, which is insane. The power that it holds is insane, which is why I think Instagram had had talked before about um, not showing how many likes Uh, a post skits but it's truly it's a dangerous thing and we need to get back in control of it i I don't know how but you know you remember in thor ragnarok how the hulk you know turns back into banner and he's like Mm -hmm. you know usually we both have a hand on the wheel he's talking about himself in the the hulk and (laughs) and then he's like but for the last two years it's like hulk's been in the driver's seat and i've been like chained up in the back in the in the truck you know that that's how i feel and it's and it's and it's a scary thought to know that you know, just some, like I said, just some code that a team of developers made on my phone is, you know, has the power to control me that much. If I let it, that is.
1: So let's get talking a bit about algorithms. So once I did watch this, you know, it inspired me to do all the same things. It's like, I bet if you look at the, if you had a graph, like the deletion of Instagram goes way up because people are getting freaked out when they watch this. Because, you know, Instagram's the more a- addictive one for us. I'm sure Facebook for, and Twitter for more for the older crowd, etc. and Twitter for the intellectuals and all this. So my thought about it was I try... After this documentary, and in general I did this, but this was sort of was a kick in the pants to, to work on it more. I try not to do something I think of as writing the algorithm where basically I'm just like, okay, algorithm, let me go to this page and see what you have for me. And then, you know, let's just look around and see what there is here. So the main thing is, is YouTube. It's one thing to intentionally joy content from your subscriptions and, and recommendations that you, you know, here's this channel I truly like, you know, Charles Cornell, great talk, talk to me about music theory. I'm sitting down to watch a 15 minute video on purpose and we're gonna watch all the way through and be intellectual about this. And that's fine. And like, oh, here's a similar video. Oh, look, here's Adam Neely. He has a similar topic, whatever. Okay, we're watching through. So that's fine that is seems like a good in that you know whatever week it's the weekend watch that for one or two hours have a nice day that's all fine the problem it it comes in very gradually the problem is when i you just barely stay entertained for hours so the example is that like the other day youtubers recommended me a lot of videos called the basically like curb your something meme. So the idea behind curb your blank <laughs> memes is basically be something like curb your gender equality and it would be, you know, people are talking about gender equality and then they say something dumb and then someone debunks their their theories, etc. or it would be like curb your intelligence where this person's claiming to be really smart and they say something wrong and then there's this goofy music that plays and it zooms in on their face and it's just like haha isn't this funny. Sort of sort of more of a bit of a, a TikTok kind of thing. So the thing is I don't know obviously i don't have stats on how long i watched those videos for i feel like i was watching them and staying barely entertained for like a spooky amount of time like 30 or 35 minutes It was just like okay i've done all my school it's you know five o'clock i'm tired <laughs> we're just gonna sit back and watch this and in a perfect world i would i would never ever do that that's just the algorithm showing me more ads it's like we're gonna keep you Barely entertained. If if it was a t- like one point less entertaining, I would get get up and read a book or do something else. But just barely easier to sit here and just watching. Like, don't get me wrong, the videos are funny and and somewhat well made, but it's also not really the best use of time, generally speaking. Like, there's there's no way of saying that. So YouTube is great at recommending videos I already like. As far as like if I if I like a video or add it to watch later or something, it will recommend it to me. It's like, oh yeah, great. YouTube, you have great taste. When really I've just liked the video in the past. Literally clicked a like on the video in the past. And so kind of by Rewatching videos or watching ones that are somewhat entertaining but not like intellectually nourishing, per se. It's like yes, there's a time and place for that, but in a perfect world, I would just read a book or or be more intentional about this and not just be tired and and just sort of give up and let it take over.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think f- for me, I don't mind as much when those like non-growing things happen, it, it, but it depends on the mood that I'm in because like you said, like if I have just had a really long day and I need a break, I have no problem spending upwards of 20, you know, 30 minutes on my phone on YouTube, just watching videos, just kind of vegging out. You get it. But the dangerous thing is when those things eat into my, okay, this is school time or I need to eat or I need to work out or I need to, you know, whatever. That's when it's dangerous. And I think that's, sort of the bad side of the algorithm for me personally i don't know about you
1: yeah there's definitely been times where there are literally things on my to-do list that need to get done go do them and it's, it's easier just to watch youtube videos exactly let's talk a bit about some of my complaints with the documentary but also just things that stood out to me as being particularly insightful or or interesting so one interesting and also slightly weird thing to me is that they brought his old girlfriend into it the main character and so it was ba- there was a scene where he had agreed with his family that he would put his phone in this kind of, like this plastic jar kind of thing and in return his mom his screen had shattered so his mom would, would pay for it. it all he had to do is not look at his phone for week. to which i question like yeah but how do you text him when you're going to soccer practice whatever it's a movie, it's a movie. just deal with that so he wasn't gonna be not addicted to his phone and actually hang out with his family be be somewhat functioning human being but he was like getting water at midnight in the kitchen or something weird It was like this is my complaint is that this is like super goofy example but the point still stands and there was this like notification about his like old girlfriend either joined or was active or had messaged him or something weird like that while i wouldn't say anything like that ever happens in real life that i know of i'm sure that was a play on how instagram knows who your circle is somehow in a very creepy and somewhat disturbing way so for example it will recommend me People that, like, I just met the other day. (laughs) Oh, here's their Instagram. What? (laughs) What's going on here? And another example is when I was creating the college try account, someone, I had just created the account and finished setting up, you know, the username finished up setting everything up. And someone who I know followed it instantly and i, didn't, I had, the account had not been created for more than 20 or 30 seconds someone followed it instantly that was just that just creeped me out i think wh- what surely happened is it was recommended as a you know people you might know and it's just exactly the right time but also how did it how did it know that it was associated with my primary account and how does it know who i know because i actually don't follow this person directly on my main account so it it, it makes these really creepy leaps of faith that i'm sure is just machine learning in a spreadsheet somewhere but also that just creep you out when when you actually see them firsthand
0: that is so so creepy oh my gosh i would think it was because like you followed them and then a person that you followed like got connected through that way
1: it's surely like some crazy chain like that but it just was weird to see it
0: that is really really odd but but again like <laughs> and, and and like you said like because in, in the movie the algorithm is played by three different so it's the same person but it's three of them and they are like trying to figure out the best ways to get you to stay on and i think in one of those scenes, they were like, okay, he's interacted with this person a lot in the past, but then like a, a hard cut off, let's, you know, throw him a notification about her, see if he gets, you know, gets back and, and, and does it. And then, um, it, you know, it's his ex-girlfriend. And then he's like, oh, i feeling sad. Right. And so he gets on and looks, which, you know, you can't say you haven't done before, but you know, it's, it's creepy that they know kind of who is in your life in real life and then exploit that On like digitally you know (sighs) weird stuff
1: (laughs) (laughs) delete instagram one one minor ish complaint i have is that the algorithms were personified as more evil than they actually are because in practice this is just a large crazy machine learning ai algorithm with just you know spreadsheets and data and numbers behind the scenes and it's just doing what it thinks it needs to do And again, even the people when you watch, you know, CGP create how machines learned, even the people who created these algorithms that we talk about are not always necessarily sure how they work. It just finds things that whether that be videos, pictures or accounts, it thinks you might like and then shows it to you. And no one is necessarily sure how it works, but it just checks to see what works and then keeps doing more of what works and learns learns more about it over time so i don't think it's necessarily evil but it is a useful mental tool for us to think of them as evil so that we we have a we have a kick in the pants so that we will not be as tempted to just sort of give in because that's like the overall biggest picture possible that I took away from this documentary was that I'm glad people are talking about this, these issues of social media and algorithms and technology, semi-technology addiction when they are. In like the 1980s and 70s and so on, there was like tons of smoking. <laughs> Go back to any TV show or any footage from like the olden days. And it's like, obviously we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about the more idealized version. But the point is that the only reason that so many people smoked was because they didn't know it was bad for you. They thought, oh, smoking is healthy. You know, there's this commercial where if a doctor was paid, to endorse smoking because it helped you it's like yeah it's it's no problem it gives me this this nice feeling when i smoke and there's no problem and it's good for me and like what's what's the problem here? not realizing that it was the obviously the cigarette companies that were getting the money and getting the benefit from this arrangement and they were gonna die early essentially you could almost argue be more extreme because I, I think anything that can potentially drive people to suicide or mental illness is slightly worse than a chance that you would die early from lung cancer or depending, whatever. We, we're not here to argue about which is worse, but in 2006, for example, people didn't know about social media hygiene and healthy use of technology. But what's good is we've started to talk about it more and more. Obviously, I'm sure people were talking about it a little bit, but people are. it's becoming so widespread that it's, it's to the point where... People generally know what they're getting into. It's they might be addicted, somewhat addicted to it anyway, but they they know what the problem is, and you know you could probably talk to someone and they just laugh it off. Oh, like, yes, I'm addicted to my phone. Yes, it's a problem, etc. But so so we're now to the point where people know about the issue, which is half the battle. So the other half of it is let's actually take constructive a- action and in our own life. Like this this whole thing, they talked about like oh we need to hold the companies accountable. I I disagree with that. The companies the companies it doesn't matter. We as people need to take our own personal responsibility and decide, here's the hours we're going to use social media. Here's the hours we're not going to use social media. In my media literacy class, we have been talking. There's literally, this is how big of an issue it's become. It's a whole class dedicated to this this kind of thing. You need to think about how you're using media. Think about what stories you're consuming. Think about what role media plays in your own life. You need to, on purpose, decide what type of role you would like it to play and then stick to that role and don't get sucked in to a more extreme rule because it's easy. It's just like this slide, the slippery slope. Oh, well, I'm going to sign up for this and this and this. And there <laughs> that's my whole life now. There's now obviously extreme, but, you know, four or five hours a day on YouTube and two hours on TikTok and, and all of this.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of like, you know, sometimes when parents accidentally, their, their kids will see something, the parents wish that they hadn't have seen on the TV or, or something like that. And they blame the TV or they blame the show or they blame the people who made the show, whatever. Mm-hmm it's not their fault. They made what they were paid to make. Um, and you know, the people who broadcasted it were paid to do that too. And so they were just doing their job. It's our job as consumers and users of technology to decide how we're going to use them and what is healthy for us personally. But let's say, let's say that somebody is the media marketing person for a company, right? Obviously their social media like use per day is going to be way more than somebody who doesn't have that job and so it depends on the person but you know for me i know that i truly don't need to be spending that much time on my phone period i mean i use it for messages i use it for obviously content from from places like netflix and youtube but also i use music a ton but i love music because that doesn't mean i have to be on my phone to listen in the end it's our job to to moderate how um how we're using it how much we're using it you know that sort of thing it's not the company's fault it's not the algorithm's fault the companies are just trying to make money the algorithm is just doing blindly the job that it was made to do so it's it's our job as consumers to kind of dictate how much we use
1: one kind of takeaway i think that the listeners should maybe consider in their own life is that if you're lucky and live in a first world country you probably have a phone you probably have a computer you might have an ipad you might have this smart tv over here you might have all these things i would challenge you to think about how you use these devices and just to think about it to be honest because i find that when i draw very clear lines between like what are the devices for and what type of media goes where that will help me to not fall into this trap like obviously the trap is you know just sitting on your bed watching tons of youtube videos for 4 hours which you know it happens it's going to happen but like how can we avoid this to the best of our abilities so the way i think of it is that my phone is for listening to things listening to music and communication, and that should be ninety-five percent of what I what I do. At no point in time should I be just staring at my phone screen for more than like five or ten minutes. Essentially, it should be get in, get out, and be listening to things in the background. Here's here's what I choose to use this for. Obviously, in an emergency, yes, if you really need to look something up, etc. But and then I think of the iPad as more of like writing things down and YouTube videos, but intentional YouTube videos, <laughs> which is you know obviously the trick. So that means that. I have to actually go get my iPad. It's not in my pocket. It doesn't fit. It's too big. I have to choose when I watch YouTube videos. It's not just there, click, click, open, open, we're done. And then I think of the computer as well as like, it's one thing to be on YouTube and, and Instagram, et cetera, if you're like legitimately trying to figure something out. But the computer as well, I think, should be get in, get out. Like, here's what a computer is good for. It's good for doing school. It's good for doing communication It's it's writing things and so on. But all these devices, I try to have a get in, get get out attitude, which maybe means I'm slightly crazy. But it's like, let me define what each space is for and try not to break it. Because if I'm watching YouTube videos at my desk, something's definitely wrong. Like, if if you're going to do it, do it on purpose go to your iPad and do it on purpose. And again, if we're watching YouTube videos on your phone, you're doing it wrong. Either do it on purpose or, or do what, or focus and do what you're supposed to do. So it's kind of like, let's define what everything is for and let's not waste tons and tons of time in life because, you know, we only get so many hours till death comes for us all.
0: Wow. Very, very true. Yeah. And I think that that's a super, super healthy way to look at it. I, I have to admit, I'm not that intentional, but, you know, I want to be and I, I hope to be, you know later on obviously break is hard because you don't have much else to do
1: yeah break break all this like nice idyllic stuff kind of went out the window during break it's like okay stalling youtube over here and this is okay <laughs> i'm working hard to get it back in some form of order because i actually need to be productive in the next couple of weeks
0: and and also just before we end a full disclaimer the college try podcast is not trying to tell you how <laughs> to live your social
1: college Try podcast is not medical advice please consult your doctor before making giant changes to your social media outlook but do think about it
0: Exactly. Exactly. So the way that you want to live your life, you do it. I mean, it's not, we're not trying to tell you to look at your phone less. We're not trying to tell you to look at it more whatever, but this is how we do things. This is our opinion on things. You know, just thought I would throw that out there to make sure that nobody's going to yell at us. So
1: (laughs) here's the thing though. There are also people who have a completely opposite viewpoint where they find a more healthy balance in social media, but they've thought things through, they thought the facts through and come to the opposite conclusion. I definitely know people like this. I was like, okay, I enjoy hanging out. I, I'm not addicted to it per se. Yes, I might be 30 minutes to an hour, but that's just something I do for fun. It's like watching TV. It's like playing a game, etc. It's like I get in, and get out. I don't feel bad about it. I enjoy seeing these cool pictures, learning about things I'm interested in, and that is great. If that is you, you're on a great path. But the problem is that I definitely can't be on that path. <laughs> Those negative things we talked about before will start to creep in. So that's why I have to go all the way to the side of drawing clear boundaries and setting strict time limits and, and just being careful and constantly vigilant, basically. I think whatever side you want to go on is definitely fine, but I would definitely challenge you to decide which side you would like to be on. Like That's all I'm asking. Just like think about it and decide whether you want to draw the boundaries or whether you want to like go all in. Yes, I'm going to use a platform just... On, on purpose all the time yes this is what i'm doing it the trick is intentionality we're not here to tell you what to do we're just here to say like think through the pros and cons and like decide 100 i'm i'm over here i'm over here like you know we're not we're not going to tell you what to do but if you learn one thing from this episode think it through
0: as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, check out our website, Trypodcast.com. Our Instagram is at Um, And if you'd like to learn more about some of the things that we talked about uh, in this episode, you can always check out the show notes in the episode. And they, they should just be there right in your podcast player. If you've enjoyed tonight's show and you know anybody who also might enjoy it, uh, always consider sharing that with them. We always appreciate it. Uh, and as always, we will see you in the next episode.
1: Goodbye. Also, I understand that's ironic. Check us out on Instagram, the College Dry Show. Yeah, right. (laughs) like Like our content for engagement purposes. Yeah. You and Jack were talking about how you, if something's popular, you actually are less likely to be interested in checking it out. So if someone were to recommend you like a popular Netflix show, like The Queen's Gambit, but you knew it was popular, would you not want to check it out just because 5,000 other people have been watching it recently?
0: So Sam came home. He said that he watched it and loved it. And that's why he knows how to play chess now. And I've heard other people talk about it in a high you know, regard. And I'm not going to lie to you. I have been kind of hesitant to watch it just because everybody's like, oh, it's so good. It's so good you know, but, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm just going to do it my own time, you know? Especially because I just restarted The Crown. So that is a great show as well. So I need to finish that before I move on.
1: So it does come into play a little bit. Like, not necessarily even because of 4, but you do think of that. Because it's popular, you're not sure if it's really worth checking out. You don't want to just be a mindless sheet person.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And and for better or worse, that's just kind of how I am sometimes. And Jack Jack was saying sort of the same thing. You know, not that popular things can't be good, but, like, I'm more skeptical of them and less apt to try them unless I'm super pressured into it.
1: The main time that I want to avoid popular things as if i think it legitimately doesn't look good mm-hmm. but in this case it did look good it was awesome and there were all these statistics about how okay so google has seen a rise and you know there's the top search for this week how to play chess here's every, all chess boards are sold out all over the all over the world really and there was this entry on you know wikipedia the source of knowledge in my mind the canonical source of knowledge it said it is possible that due to the queen's Gambit coming out in 2020 there'll be a rise of female chess players that we see for gen- generation z
0: wow That would be kind of cool.
1: So, you know, that's just a theory, a game theory, but it would be cool (laughs) if this inspires people to like the next Gary Kasparov and next Bobby Fischer and everyone to come.
0: Yeah, I don't know those people, but I'm assuming they're really good at chess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they were really good chess. And so we, we if you ever watch that show, we should we should discuss it because I maybe am a mindless sheep and think it is probably the best.
0: It's well, okay, we'll save it. Okay, we'll save it. We'll save it. It's two thumbs up high in the air. All right.